0: Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message really excited about this word today. So I want you to get a lot out of it, okay? And so let's just have fun on purpose today. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Today, I want to talk about this little concept of putting faith to your prayer life. I'm going to title this thing called Build Me an Airbnb. We'll get to that in just a second. But it's really about preparing for your prayers to be answered. Because a lot of us pray, and then we forget about it. We don't think about it. You ever prayed a prayer like, oh, God bless Grandma, give me some sunshine, and you know, whatever? But how do you know if your prayers are actually being answered? Have you ever come out enough with God to say, God, if you don't come through, we're in trouble? I mean, have you ever lived a little risky in your prayer life, like, God, this is what I need by when, and I'm asking? Right? So today I want to talk about prepared for our prayers. And I want you to stir your heart and your head today because this is for somebody. I couldn't get it out of my heart. I had to preach it, I had to fly back. And here we go. All right, you ready? So I just wanted to give you a little context this morning of what's going to happen. Verse 1 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. Joram, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Okay, so he's 12 years old. His dad passes, he becomes the next king. This is the context, right? In God's sight, he was a bad king, but he wasn't as bad as his father and mother. I know you love the Bible. (laughs) You're bad, but you're not as bad as mom and dad. I just love the Bible sometimes. To his credit, he destroyed the obscene bellstone that his father had made. He hung on to sinful practices of Jaborim, son of Nebat, the ones who'd corrupted Israel for so long, he wasn't about to give them up. King Mesha of Moab raised sheep. He was forced to give to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and another 100,000 rams, so 200,000 in total. When Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel, right? So he's like, listen, Ahab is gone. I ain't paying you all this no more, right? So King Joram set out from Samaria, and he prepared Israel for war. So now he's got to prove himself. He's the new king. He's the young king. He's young. And and this guy rebels against him. He's like, okay, now i got to prove myself, so here we go. i got to go, go to war. And his first move was to send a message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And, and so this is like the partner. There's Israel's broken in two now. It's Israel and Judah. And he sends word to Judah. And he basically says, hey, come with me, right? I need some help. Would you come with me, right? And he goes, come and, and fight with me. And he replies, he said, hey, I'm with you all the way, said Jehoshaphat. My troops are your troops. My horses are your horses. Which route will we take, Okay. And I love it. He, he responds, through the badlands of Edom, okay? The king of Israel, the king of Judah, the king of Edom started out on their way to prove to be a looping detour. Man, have you ever started out on your way and it just turned out to be a looping detour? One bad move after another bad move. One wrong relationship after another wrong relationship. Like, just, this is a looping detour. After seven days, they had run out of water, both animal and armies. So both people and the animals, they've run out of water. They are in trouble. They're stuck in the desert. Right? It was his idea. I love, I love this part. The king of Israel says, Bad news. God's given us three kings out here to dump us into the hand of Moab. I'm like, bro, that was your decision to go through the bad lands of Edom. You ever made a bad decision and blamed it on God? People do this all the time. I don't know why God sent me that man. He was crazy. I'm like, you chose him, not God. Like, I love people. Like we do this all the time, right? And so here he is, he's like, hey, let's go this way. Turns out to be a looping detour, trouble, trouble. We're out of water, now we're really in trouble. Man, look what God has done. Okay, bro, okay. I love Jehoshaphat, I love his response. And he says, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere that we can consult God? Thank God for godly people sometimes, right? I mean, like, sometimes when you have somebody that really knows Jesus, and they can talk into your life, thank God for that. Because Jehoshaphat's like, first of all, let's not just give up. Let's not just surrender. Let's not just act like woe is me and blame this whole thing on God. Is there a prophet around here that we can hear from God? Church, sometimes the greatest thing we need is to hear what God wants to say to us. Sometimes you got to pause all the distractions and just hear the voice of God and what God wants to say about the situation, right? So often we complain, right? We post, we'll whine, we'll blame God. But I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of believer that actually hears from God on what to do. I remember when COVID hit and we were like, what do we do? Do we try to restart the church? Do we close the church? I called the board, and I said, you know what, guys? Why don't we fast and pray and just hear what God wants to do? One of the best decisions of my life. Because had I gone with an emotion, we wouldn't be here right now in this moment. How many times in your life you can look back and be like, thank God I didn't go with my feeling, but I went with my faith. Jehoshaphat, in this moment, goes with his faith. He's like, yes, it looks bad. It looks a little crazy. But I want to hear from God. Because if God wants to hand me over to Moab, ain't nothing I can do about it anyway. But if God wants to rescue me, I want to hear about that. I love his response. And so, long story short, they reach out for Elisha. Elisha comes, right? And he says, listen, bring me a harp. Bring me a minstrel. Play some music. And he just kind of like starts praying, and he leans into God. Back in the old covenant times, they would worship a lot before God's presence would manifest. And, then, and he says this in verse 16. I love this. He said, here's God's word. Dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water, and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. And he will deliver Moab over to you. Matt, if you can bring that pitcher of water for me this morning, I've got a little illustration for us. God comes and he says, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to dig ditches. And then I'm going to bring the rain. And so so often in our Christian lives we're in a desert, we're struggling, we don't know which way to go, we, we know we're in trouble, we can't quite hear from God, and we just kind of wait, right? And waiting is not necessarily wrong in and of itself, because what I've learned in, as a follower of Jesus, some things you can work for, some things you have to wait for. And if God makes you wait, you're in good company. Jesus waited 30 years for a three-year ministry. Moses waited 80 years for his ministry. David was 30 before he became king. So if you're, if you're 22 and you're like, why am I always waiting? Like, hey, God is an oven god. He is not a microwave. He takes his time. He does not fill time the way you and I do. You know, we're like, oh, God, I got a gray hair. Like, we got to get this together. Let's go. You know, God is not like that. He's not stressed out. He's not anxious. He doesn't eat a box of Wheaties to run faster. Like, he's just, he moves at a different pace. He's an oven god. But what I don't want, and I think what does happen sometimes, is Christians are waiting on God, and God is waiting on them. And now we're stuck. God, why don't I ever have any joy? God's like, did you dig some ditches? Because this is a real thing. Okay, here we go, okay? So before he sends the miracle, he said, I want you to tell everybody, I want you to dig ditches. Why? Because if I send the rain and there's no ditches, then the miracle just drains. You drain the rain. Can you and I contain what God is trying to send? Because this this is real. I see this all the time, all the time in, in Christians' lives. How many of you know God isn't just a resource, God is the source? He is the source. Your job is a resource. Your education is a resource. God is the source. And the Bible says this is easy for God to do. God is full of resources because he is the source. He has millions of connections. You only need five to be successful. Think about this, right? I mean, like, it's amazing. And what happens to us is when we start out in life, we have a small shot glass size of containment. This is about how much our character can hold. This is how much our work ethic can hold. This is how much our maturity can hold. And God's like, great, dig a ditch. Give me what you got and I will fill it. Now, what ran out? The source or the containment? The container. God, I'm full. This is what this looks like in real life. Jesus, I'm broke. I need a job. You work that job for four weeks. Oh my God, I hate my job. My boss is terrible. My coworkers gossip about me. God, I need another job. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, like our container is full. We, we get full so quick, don't we? Oh, I, I don't want any more weight. I don't want any more pressure. God's like, that's that's great. Why don't you dig another ditch? Why don't you work on your prayer life and read your Bible more than once a year and get some character and show up on time? Uh oh, come on, somebody. Like, why don't you talk good about your boss behind his back and sow some seeds? No, okay, all right. Why don't you go the extra mile? Why don't you work on your container? Why don't you dig? another ditch and see if I won't fill it. This is my life right here. I'll work on myself and dig and God will fill. And then I'll work on myself and dig and God will fill. And God comes along and he says, listen, Matt, just get me a bigger container and watch me do what I can do because here's the thing I've learned in my life. I run out of containers before God runs out of resources. Heaven doesn't run out of source. I run out of ditches. But as I work on expanding the ditches in my life, I've never failed to see God fill those ditches with his miracles and his working and his action. Right now, you see, the last couple years, we're in a different season. We had twins. So I felt like my container went from a bowl back to a glass. God, I'm full. You know, no more. I I feel like there's some things God wants to do, and you know what he's talking to me right now? Dig some more ditches. Create some more space. Manage your energy a little bit better. Like, work on this. This is already ready for you when you're ready for it. Can God send you this morning, church, what he wants to send you? God's not asking you to do something today you can't do. He knows what you can and can't do. He's asking you to do what you can do. And that is dig some ditch, make some space for what he wants to do. Come on. In Philemon 1, this is where the Airbnb comes from. I love this. Paul is, is writing Philemon. He's, he's urging him to bring back Onesimus with a full heart. Onesimus was his servant that ran away, and then he became a believer in Jesus, and he goes back, and he's like, listen, man, don't, don't welcome him back as a servant. Don't treat him like a servant. Don't be mad at him. Treat him like a brother in Christ now. He's useful. And it's just this beautiful appeal for one life. And I love the Bible. Sometimes the Bible's talking about thousands and hundreds of lives. Sometimes the Bible's all about one life. Just one life. Paul takes the time to write and to war for one life. And and I love that. But at the end of Philemon chapter 1, there's this little sneaky verse in verse 22. I'm going to read it this morning. And he goes, And one more thing. You know when you're in a conversation and somebody goes, oh, and one more thing. Like you know it's coming. You ever been in an argument with your spouse? Oh, yeah, and one more thing. Like you're talking like, yeah, one one more thing. He goes, hey, Father, one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you and answer to your prayers. I looked up how much a guest room would cost if I wanted to renovate part of my house and turn it into a guest room. The average is now somewhere between twenty to 40,000. That's an average to renovate and get a guest room ready. Paul writes Philemon, he says, yo, Philemon, have you made a real investment to the things you're praying about? So often we pray and then we're nonchalant. Have you prayed a bold prayer and then made an investment in yourself to get ready for that prayer to be answered? Do your actions and faith reflect the power of your prayer life? He said, Philemon, I love that you're praying for me to be delivered from jail. And I know you can't rescue me from a Roman jail, but what you can do is build me a guest room. Go ahead and get the guest room ready while you're praying. I've done this so many times in life. When, when I was in college, like, I just had this overwhelming, like, spiritual, the only way I can describe it is kind of like a spiritual desire. I was like, God, I just feel like I need to pray for my wife. So some of you, you're single, and maybe you have that right now, where you're like, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for my spouse. I don't know who they are. Like, I don't want to be creepy, you know, but I'm just going to pray for my spouse. And so I started praying for my spouse, and I had this desire. Like, I'm like, yeah, I want to be married. You know, I can't make myself fall in love. Like, you know, like, it's just, it's, Christians are weird sometimes. We're like, God, tell me who I'm going to marry. Like, it's probably not going to work like that. And even if it did, can you imagine how weird that would be? Hey, what's up? God told me we were going to get married. That's some stranger danger stuff. It ain't going to work out anyway. Like you would ruin it before it ever got off the ground, right? So, so like I'm praying, and, and I remember I'm praying for my spouse. And at the time, man, your boy was a mess. Like I was a mess. My, my hair was kind of long and shaggy, and I didn't have great hygiene. I mean, I was not like crazy, but, you know, my room, my dorm room was totally messy. The trash was overflowing. And I remember I had this little thing in my heart, and I was like, you know what? Cute girls don't like a messy place, and they definitely don't want the trash overflowing. So I'm going to start taking the trash out, and I'm going to clean this place up in faith that God is listening to my prayers. And that might have been the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Holy Spirit's like, that's great. Pray for a spouse. Now get yourself together. Clean up a little bit. And you know what? God was right. 18 years of marriage. Y'all, I'm still taking the trash out. Two times a week, the trash gets full. My wife's like, the trash is full, baby. (laughs) I know. I got it. I'm the trash man. Like, I'll take the trash out. Like, my wife is cute. And guess what? She likes a clean house. How many of you know I was preparing for my prayers to be answered? I remember a time we were talking about planning the church. We started this church in our townhouse. Before we had a single meeting, I went to Home Depot. And I bought these little like foldable brown chairs. And I went to my townhouse and we had the couch and I started putting up little foldable brown chairs. No one was there. Nobody. And I counted. And I was like, how many people can we just fit right here really quick? Like, like, like I'm, what am I doing? I'm putting preparation to my prayers. And we started talking. What would a healthy church look like? What does healthy church conflict look like? What does leadership look like for us? What does guest experience look like? Blah, blah, blah. We just started, and, and what am I doing? I'm praying, and I'm preparing. I'm asking God for the rain, but I'm digging a ditch. Why would God give you the rain if it would only drain in your life? Right? Like, come come on. We pray. We're like, God, just do it all. And God's like, that's great. Dig some ditches. Get ready for what I want to do in your life. So many times in my life, I've done this again and again, whether it's marriage or church or my personal growth or whatever. I love this quote by Roger Staubach. Spectacular achievements come from unspectacular preparation. Church, it's what we do in the unseen that eventually makes a visible difference. You're praying for God to move. Have you prepared? I love this. An Olympic sprinter Will train for four hours a day, five to six days a week for a race that lasts just seconds long. Everybody wants the moment, but have you ran the miles behind the scenes to prepare you for the moment? Why would God send me rain if it will just drain? Have you dug some ditches? Have you prepared the Airbnb? Are you putting faith to your prayers? I wrote this little line down. The gains are hidden in the grind. The gains are hidden in the grind. Daily trusting. Daily reading our word. Daily praying bold prayers. Daily growing in our relationship with God. Daily saying no to our flesh. Daily trusting that he rewards those who earnestly Seek him. The gain is in the grind. Show me a Christian who's successful. I'll show you someone that has done their time, developing a walk with Jesus. First of all, just give it up for yourselves for being here on a Sunday morning, making your spiritual life a priority. Come on, you're already way ahead of ninety nine percent of people, right? You're in the desert. You're frustrated. You don't know what to do. You having a hard time hearing from God, I've been there. Here's what I would say if you're taking notes this morning. Number one, start praying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm stuck. Made a couple bad decisions. Now I feel like you're going to hand me over to the enemy. I'm in the desert. We're out of water, Jesus. What do you want me to do? Number two, what do you want me to believe you to do? This is such a fine line. Faith and wisdom, fear and wisdom, faith and foolishness. These are fine lines sometimes. Hey, was that faith or was that just stupid? There have been times in my life I'm like, oh, that was faith. That was awesome. There's other times I'm like, oh, that was just kind of dumb. I think I missed God. It's a fine line sometimes. But sometimes the only difference is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Was that faith or was that dumb or was that fear? Was it wisdom? I, I don't know. What do you want me to do? God, what do you want to do? Because I'll believe you for what you want to do. And then I'll do what you called me to do. Y'all, running a church, I pray this like at least once a month. What do you want to do? And then what do you want me to do? I can't bring the rain. I can't make it water. But I can dig ditches. What do you want me to do? What do you want to do? I can prepare, but I can't make the miracle happen. But I can get ready for it to happen. Right? Come on. This is where I want us to be, church. This is where I want you to be. So I want your spiritual life to be. Are you preparing for your prayers to be answered? Well, pastor, what if God doesn't do it? What if he does? Are you ready? What if he doesn't bring the water? Well, listen, we're all done anyway, so what if he does? What if he does? Are you ready? Because what you don't want is for him to send the rain and it all just drained away. Now you're in the same spot. Are you ready for him to move? Have you prepared for the prayer to be answered? You're praying for the promotion, but you haven't read any more books on how to get ready for that position. Come on, I'm going to help somebody out today. Like, you want to be CEO, but you still can't show up on time. Come on, like, have you prepared for God to answer the prayer? It's like this one meme I saw, this guy at a job interview. And they're like, hey, we love, you know, what we're seeing so far. He goes, but that's a pretty high salary you're asking and the guy responds like well yeah you know i have really no idea what i'm doing here so it's going to be a lot of hard work for me <laughs> i'm like that's so real though right like are we ready for god to do what he wants to do god what do you want me to do god what do you want to do number number 3 i'm going to commit myself to digging the best ditches i can possibly dig once i've heard from god what do you want me to do once i've heard from god what do you want to do what do you want me to trust you for what do you want me not to touch Sometimes we get in trouble and we try to play God's role, right, in our lives. So, let's okay, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? And then once I hear from that, I'm going to dig the best ditches I can humanly dig. Every 30-minute message, City Lift Church, is at least eight hours of work for me. Behind the scenes, the gain is in the grind just to feed you for 30 minutes a hot meal as best I can. And I'm tired. The gain is in the grind. Have you prepared for your prayers to be answered. I'm going to dig the best ditches. I love this. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. Preparation. I'm going to close with this. They once asked Muhammad Ali, the the famous boxer, how he prepares for a fight. and He said, I read everything I could about my opponent, wherever they'd been interviewed, the people they talked to. He goes, I wanted to talk to those people who'd been around them and talked with them. He said, I'd lay in bed all night and put these things together and think about them, trying to get a picture of how my opponent's mind worked. He's obsessed with them, right? He just obsessed with them. He goes, then I'd use everything I'd learned about my opponent to wage psychological warfare against them. <laughs> I want to know everything about them, right? And he goes, then in, in before each fight, I would just go Crazy. just go crazy. I wanted them to think I was crazy. He goes, because I knew the knockout punch would be the one they didn't see coming. I love that. He goes, I wanted them to believe that I was crazy and that I was capable of doing anything. And And he says this famous line. He goes, I would float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. His commentaries would watch him fight again and again. They said, it's not that he was so much physically more powerful than his opponents, but he was always mentally tougher. Why did Muhammad Ali prepare so much for a fight? I'll tell you why. Because he believed that he could win. Muhammad Ali put that much faith in himself, and you and I serve a God who cannot fail. Have we put some preparation into our prayers? Because my Bible says he's able to do anything that beyond that what well, we can ask, think, dream, hope, or imagine. But have you prepared for the prayers? Y'all get something out of today? All right, come on. Let me pray for you. Close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment. Father, I love this church. I love this crowd. I love this people. Lord, you love your people. Father, when you send the rain, you don't want that rain to drain away in our lives. You want us to contain the miracle. And so, Father, right now, in a way that only you can, would you speak to your people what you want them to do, how you want them to prepare, God, what you want them to trust you for, what you want them to believe you for. God, we want to be a church that's prepared for our prayers to be answered because you are a good, loving, faithful God, and you do answer prayer. You talk to your kids, and you lead us, and you guide us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.